The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Okay, John Gibbons is with us for our weekly environment spot. Uh, John, did you hear the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, logue there? I put it to him that you had tweeted today about this deal with China and how is it possible to export beef to China as well without increasing our emissions? But he implied that basically it'll just be beef going to China probably at a better price rather than going somewhere else. Uh, good afternoon, Matt, and Happy New Year. Um, yeah, I obviously listened to the Minister and uh, I noted that he made no commitment whatever to uh, actually limiting uh, beef production. So what essentially what's happened here is they've opened a new market. Fair enough. Uh, new markets beget, uh, when you've got an, out, an outlet like that, that begets increased production. I mean, nowhere did the minister say, for example, as we open the Chinese market, we'll seal off the French market or we'll, we'll cut back on the Dutch market. So essentially they've created a new market and that market naturally will be serviced by increased uh, production. I mean, that's a QED situation. And I think the minister was fairly clear in avoiding any commitment, even at capping it. And it's probably important, Matt, to say we're not in a capping situation here. We're in a situation where legally his department, his sector is bound by law over the next seven years to reduce emissions by 25%. And I should add that 25% is by far the lowest sectoral commitment of any sector in Ireland. So they've got the lowest targets, uh, the sector that's whose emissions have been rising the most quickly, as we know, over the last decade, they're up 19%. And here we have this afternoon, the Minister for Agriculture celebrating the expansion of the most emissions intensive form of agriculture that we've got. Uh, so I, I'm not really sure how exactly we square this with, with climate commitments. I would suggest what we're hearing this afternoon is uh, the Agriculture Minister is simply throwing them out the window. Okay, let's move on to other things. We will have Sarah Slattery in our travel spot coming up in just a little while. And I am going to ask her about uh, whether people can get their money back if they go to empty ski slopes where they find there isn't any snow for them to enjoy skiing on. Uh, But you want to look at this in a different way, that there is an issue here about why are we not having snow in the Alps this winter? Sure. I mean, again, th- this is really basic stuff. And, and this isn't specific, of course, to the Alps. All over the world, uh, snowpacks are melting. This is basic physics. As the global temperature increases, snowpacks are melting. Uh, and we've seen this in the Himalayas. We've seen it in uh, Greenland in particular. We've seen it in the Arctic Circle. And even within Antarctica, the, the coldest place on Earth, we're beginning to see a loss of ice from the land-based ice. So all over the world, we know that as temperatures go up, Uh, ice turns into water. This is basic physics. And this is happening, Matt. Obviously, the most vulnerable glaciers are the land-based glaciers, the smaller glaciers, like, for example, in the Alps. So what we see in areas like uh, the Alps in France is areas below 2,000 metres are now essentially above zero degrees, which is kind of crazy. I mean, this is the first week in January, the absolute depths of winter. And these are at high elevations. 2,000 metres, we're talking about, what's that? Six... 7,000 feet up and above zero degrees. So this is a complete transformation over the type of climate that existed there 10, 20, 30 years ago. A, a dramatic. And you've seen it, I'm sure, in, in the footage from these regions. Essentially, uh, the, 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 slee, the ski slopes, the infrastructure that has been built there in the confident expectation that this year would be like last year. They are now basically stranded assets. And we're going to see, by the way, an awful lot more of this around the world uh, because we're, we're operating now not against a fixed background, but against a rapidly changing background. We, we know we've already increased global temperatures, surface temperatures, by about... 1.2 degrees. And we also know that that increase has been, has been uh, 
accentuated uh, high up in, in the Arctic. And we know the Arctic is warming much more quickly and that in turn is having other effects on our global climate system. Yeah, but hold system. on, if you're saying that, how come we had such heavy snow in the United States before Christmas? Yeah, the United States was a, an interesting anomaly. What we had there basically, what one of the effects of climate change that we're seeing, and meteorologists have, have understood this for some time, is that the jet stream, which is basically a high altitude stream of fast moving air, uh, which is kind of pinned between the sort of mid latitudes and the high latitudes. So for example, it's the reason why your, your, your flight from America comes back maybe an hour quicker going from uh, east to west. It's basically, it's in fast moving air. So that jet stream has a huge influence over weather in the northern hemisphere vast influence. Now, when the jet stream basically, what happened last month in December in the US, the jet stream bulged down from the Arctic. And because of increased temperatures, the jet stream is becoming wavier. It's unable to hold its position and its line. So it bulged down into North America and basically it dumped Arctic weather directly over North America. So that's what happened there. What we're now seeing in early January is the jet stream bulging upwards and dragging up air from Africa up over Europe in the depths of winter. Now, do we, I mean, if you look back over the record, have we had anomalous weather conditions before? Yes, we have. However, the record breaking that happened in early January this year, there's simply no, there's nowhere on the record. And I've looked at this in detail. I'll give you a small example, Matt. The, the temperature recorded in Warsaw on the 1st of January, 19.1 degrees, that broke the high temperature record for Poland by five degrees in a single day. Now, that's the equivalent of somebody running the 100 metres in four seconds. You'd say, what the heck is going on? Essentially, we have, we have, if you like, we have a weather system that is on steroids. And these, remember, in Europe, we have fantastic, detailed, instrumental temperature records, Matt, going back hundreds of years. And they're falling like nine pins at the moment. Of course, there are people who say they're happy enough because at least this means we don't have to spend as much money on gas and electricity maybe in these winter months. Yeah, it's an ill wind that blows no good. I mean, the, the, the higher temperatures in Central Europe may give us some slight reprieve. There's no question about that. Unfortunately, uh, it's a very small consolation considering the, 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 the overall disruption that travels with this. And, you know, it, it's really throwing nature out of whack. Uh, we've got a, we're breaking down the seasons. And as I say, we're seeing temperatures happening uh, and this is, by the way, again, this is not a regional thing. Uh, the, the particular anomaly we're talking about swept from France, Spain, Poland, Germany, the Czech Republic, Holland, Belarus. This is a huge system. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the figures. Like 25.1 degrees Celsius at Bilbao Airport in the Basque Country. Uh, people sunning themselves at the Guggenheim Museum yeah. in January, the start of January. Uh, you had temperatures of 25 degrees in the southwest of France as well, not far from there. That's right. And, and that actually brings me nicely to one point as well about this. And that is how we talk about these events. So, for example, I was looking at the BBC website earlier and they had a report on this uh, extraordinary heatwave. And they illustrated the report, Matt, with a picture of a group of people, one of them wearing a Santa uh, hat, uh, having fun on the beach in Spain. Now, of course, it's amazing and it's great. But guys, we've really got to look at this. A listener says it was freezing up to Christmas in Ireland. What are you on about? Well, I guess we've got... Uh, it was only two weeks of extreme cold weather in what was the warmest year on record in Ireland. That's correct. Exactly. So uh, I think we have to understand the, the distinction between weather and climate. And as you correctly said, what we're seeing is that the climate system, we've just had our warmest 
20, or our warmest year ever recorded was 2022. Within that, we still have weather variability. We're still going to get uh, days that are cold. Of course we are. Okay, listen, a final brief one. Uh, tell us about the new government legislation that came into force today on tobacco companies. Yeah, the plan here, Matt, is, is basically... Uh, Cigarette butts, they, they're, they're, they're small, but they have a huge impact. They have a huge impact. We find, for example, that half the plastic litter in Ireland, half the litter in Ireland is actually cigarette butts. And of course, by their nature, they're very difficult to pick up. They're difficult to manage. And also they get into uh, our rivers, they get into our streams and they get into our oceans. Uh, globally, these are massively toxic. We know that worldwide, nearly a million tonnes of toxic litter. And people might say, well, sure, cigarettes are harmless, they're only a bit of tobacco. The problem isn't really the cigarette mat, it's the filters. The, the filters are made of a thing called cellulose acetate. It is basically a plastic. And that plastic, the, the tobacco companies discovered a number of years ago that people thought that a filter made the cigarette safer. It doesn't at all, by the way. So they put filters on, the filters are made of plastic, and those filters are also, when you smoke them, they become contaminated with all the gunk there is in cigarettes. Now, when they end up in waterways, for example, we know that a concentration of one cigarette butt for a litre of water kills all the small fish and plankton in that litre of water. So these are highly toxic. And what's happening here is that the, the Minister Smith is basically bringing in legislation, as you said, has come into force today. It's in line with an EU directive on reducing single-use plastics. Now, what we'd like to see happen, of course, would be a, an outright ban on plastic filters on cigarettes. That That is where we need to get to. But in the short term, what the minister is saying to the cigarette companies is, you're creating this mess, you're going to have to pay to clean it up. John Gibbons, thank you for being with us for your first of our weekly environment spots for 2023. John will be with us each Thursday throughout the rest of the year. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.